welcome to this week's episode of Fat, Drunk, and Stupid. I'm Rob with you as always, and here we are for the first time since October. Been on a little bit of a five-month break. I'm happy to be back. I missed you. I hope you missed me too. It's good to see everybody. Uh, seems to be doing pretty well on Twitter, all my pod friends and folks like that. So uh, thanks for sticking with me. Thanks for supporting the show, and uh, you know, thanks for being good. Thanks for being cool. I appreciate it. It's been an interesting past couple months, I guess. Uh, <laughs> needless to say, for a lot of people, but uh, I hope hope things are on the on the up and up for for everybody and for the country as a whole. I think that's about all we can about all we can hope for. Uh, but I missed I missed the podcast world. Uh, I got back into it uh, really. What was it? Week before last, I was asked to be on Let's Chat Live, which is a really great show, and had a lot of fun on there with uh, Tom from Half Hour Bros and uh, my good friend uh, Brepo. I guess the artist formerly known as Brepo. She did she changed her Twitter handle, but I think it's Rachel KB now. But you can you can find her as well. But uh, that was a lot of fun and uh, it was really cool. So thanks to them for having me on for that. And then. They liked me so much, they asked me to come back the following week and co-host. So I, then I co-hosted with uh, Brepo, and we talked to Hugo from Hugo's Post Podcast. That was last week. So go check those shows out and support them. That was a lot of fun, and uh, hopefully hopefully I'll be doing some stuff like that uh, more in the future, you know, co-hosting and things like that. So that stuff's always fun, <laughs> and it was good to get back into it, you know. Uh, it really was. The reason why I, I took a break, in case you're wondering, is October came around and we were kind of in full swing of the election stuff. You know, everything was like a full court press there politically. Uh, that's probably, well, that's an understatement. And, you know, with things that, you know, you s- see a lot of bad news and, and a lot of just like, like shit that's a real drag going on in the country, you know, and, and you hate to hear about it. I hate to see people losing their jobs and losing their homes and stuff like that. And I, it felt a little, I just didn't really feel like, didn't really feel like much in the podcast mood. And I actually deactivated Twitter for the entire month of October. So it was kind of like a sober October uh, for Twitter. But I came back uh, and actually had some people message me, email, checking on me, make sure I was still alive and all that. So that's really nice. I appreciate that. So uh, everything's cool. I took a Twitter break back in October and then, you know, been on kind of a pod break. But, you know, uh, I feel real good about it. I feel good about it. And I'm ready. I got the garage set up. I got to tell you, I wanted to have a place to podcast because that's, I think that's one, that's one challenge. You know, people who, if you just, you know, most of us just podcast at home or wherever we can find. And in the house... I don't have a great place to podcast, as most people don't. Uh, I have a, we have a three-year-old, we have three cats and two dogs, and uh, so it's not—it's always something going on. Like you're gonna hear, if I was in there, you know, you would hear someone licking themselves right now, probably. Uh, there's a good chance of that. So out here in the garage, I can just come out here and, uh, you know, be in the sanctuary. I've got a refrigerator right here. Listen to this. It is right beside me beer meat and cheese fridge right there so always get you an exhaust if you can it's nice to have a second refrigerator it really is 
This one is used, like I said, for beer, meat, and cheese. And there's a bunch of popsicles in the freezer. Uh, it's a macaroni and cheese bites. But, yeah, it's always nice. So, it's good to have a little sanctuary podcasting. And uh, it's a lot of fun. I'm really excited about it. So, we've got some cool stuff coming up. Uh, this week, I'll be recording with my buddy Dave from Beer in Front. He, uh, you can find him on Twitter. I think it's at Beer in Front. Well, he, he likes to talk about beer and... Uh, all kinds of things, and he's got a re- really good show. Really excited about that, and I have uh, some other shows that I've kind of got in the works here coming up. I'm pretty excited about that. I'm excited to be moving forward and, and getting some podcasting done. So, what else have I been up to in the past couple of months? I watched some shows, and now I don't really talk a lot about shows on on here. At least I haven't before. But I did watch Cobra Kai, which was fantastic. If you haven't seen Cobra Kai, I would highly recommend it. How, that's one of those shows. I remember when I first saw it advertised, it was going to be on YouTube. And I thought, man, I don't know why they're doing this. You know, they're, they're, everybody's trying to cash in on the 80s nostalgia. And it just kind of seems just real forced and, and awkward. And, and I didn't watch it. I didn't watch any of it until recently. And until back in uh, whenever the third season came out on YouTube, it was in January, I think. Watched it and, uh, man, such a good show. I didn't, of course, I grew up, you know, grew up on Karate Kid, like most people. It was just kind of part of your lexicon, you know, it was just kind of something that you watched and was familiar with. I remember I had the, I had some of the Cobra Kai uh, gi, but it was uh, pajamas when I was a kid. I thought that was pretty cool. But, you know, man, just a good show. Really cool. You know, it does have some, you know, it's got a lot of charm to it. It's got some funny parts. It's got, you know, the, I like the way the, uh, the, the, the karate or fighting is choreographed. You know, they fight in different places in school and in the mall. And, and I'm, I'm just sitting there thinking, you know, where, where are the police? But, you know, the, uh, it's like a teenage fight club kind of, but it's really cool the way it blends the old, kind of the old movies and <clears throat> moving forward with new care with, with some of the new characters and things like that. So that's a good show. I would highly recommend that. Uh, the big one that I watched recently was Yellowstone and that's, that has uh, Kevin Costner in it. And uh, it's about this ranching family in Montana. And there's just a lot of crazy shit that goes down <laughs> to try to keep the ranch. And uh, there's politics and there's uh, you know, there's the, the, uh, in, there's the Indian tribe uh, there's the governor, there's, you know, the evil businessmen who want to buy the land and develop it into golf courses and hotels. And so that's another good show. Really, really well done. Really good. I love the landscape. Like they do these big sweeping shots in the mountain ranges and, and it's just beautiful. And I can't wait to go out there. I hope, I hope uh, later on in the summer uh, we can hook up the camper and go out and go out west I've never been out there actually, so I'd really love to go out there and uh, and see all that. I think that'd be really cool. But if you haven't seen that, I will recommend that. See, I think instead of doing a full blown review, I could just recommend a show. That way, you can go watch it, and you can make up your own mind. Because I think reviews typically, you know, they usually skew our opinion on something even before we watch it, and so I think that's kind of odd. And I also think you should watch whatever you want to watch. It doesn't really matter what other people think. If other people don't like it, that, that's irrelevant. Kind of like, uh, kind of like Wandavision. You know, that's been a big one lately, and I've seen a lot of people on Twitter talking about it. Uh, I haven't watched it, 
I don't know if I will. You know, for one, I think I've had the whole thing. I think I've seen the whole show on Twitter uh, for, for one thing. But I also, well, it's like with Cobra Kai, I stayed off of Twitter and Mandalorian. Oh, yeah, Mandalorian. Oh, man. What a good show. Fantastic. <clears throat> I stayed off of Twitter uh, so I could watch the new season of Mandalorian because that's another one that gets spoiled all the time through gifts and pictures or whatever. So I was able to navigate without uh, having that spoiled. And I'm not going to spoil it in case someone's listening hasn't seen it. But I think, you know, even if you don't like Star Wars, even if you're not really into the Star Wars movies, it, The Mandalorian is still a really good show. Because it reminds me of, uh, you know, like a, like an episodic or serialized Western kind of, you know, action-adventure Western show. Uh, and I think that's, that's uh, probably, I think that's its core strength, you know, is that th- there's an overarching storyline, but there's different, there's like a baddie, like a bad guy of the week kind of feel to it, which I think is really neat. Uh, kind of like uh, a show like Justified, which is another really, really great show. So, you know, I, I just think um, they did a really good job there with that. And, and as far as Star Wars is concerned, uh, I like stuff like that. You know, the movies that they've done, not so much. But, you know, we can save that. We can table that for another discussion. But, uh, so anyway, those are my recommendations. Mandalorian, if you haven't seen it, Cobra Kai, and Yellowstone. Definitely check out Yellowstone. Yellowstone is on Paramount, but I watched it on the Peacock. So if you have the Peacock, and that's just fun to say, you can go watch. <laughs> you can go watch uh, Yellowstone. If you have Prime, the first season of Yellowstone is free on Prime. I believe the first or season or second season. There's three seasons. I think the first two are free on Prime. I believe. So, those are my recommendations. <clears throat> if you, uh, you know, if you like watching something. So, and if you, and if you, you know, hey, if you if you want to recommend something to me. You can throw it my way too, because uh, I'm not much of a binge watcher. You know, I watch certain shows I really like, but you know, I'm always out for something good. There's a lot of shows in limbo, unfortunately, because of uh, COVID. I know, like The Witcher, they've been going on almost two years now, trying to film the next season of that. Narcos Mexico was another really, really good one. I think that's been on hold. Uh, Jack Ryan is another good one on on Amazon that uh, they resumed filming, but they couldn't film last year because they actually go to these all these locations all over the world. So kind of hard to do with uh, COVID going on. So, you know, we live in a, we live in a time of <laughs> infinite possibilities when it comes to entertainment, which is sometimes a good thing, sometimes a bad thing. But, you know, either way. Uh, also, obviously, don't neglect podcasts, music, and books. Those are my big three, I think. I'd rather... I'd rather, you know, listen to music or play guitar or read a book probably as opposed to watching television, to be honest with you. I'm not saying that to sound intellectual. That's just kind of how I am. Like some people that, you know, after work, you want to go kind of sit and just watch like a mindless show just to kind of take their mind off of things. I'd rather sit on the patio and have music playing and have a cigar uh, and a drink or Maybe take my guitar out there, my acoustic guitar out there, and, and kind of just play around and uh, and relax, you know. Or a crossword puzzle, or read a book, or listen to a podcast. But that's just me, you know. And nobody's saying you can't enjoy all of it. You certainly can. So, 
yeah. So there you go. Some recommendations for you. I thought I would start start out with throw that out there. And uh, now I'm back into some podcasting. You know, going to shoot for an episode a week. Probably do some guest work. Def- uh, and also probably do a live show once a month, I think. I'm still kind of kicking that around. But I think that would be a lot of fun. <clears throat> I've done some live shows. I did one with uh, Basement Surge last summer. And uh, those guys are cool, John and Frank. Those guys are awesome. And uh, I did, uh, of course, Let's Chat Live recently, which was live. So I kind of I enjoy that. I think I'll be probably doing my own thing too, and just having some fun with it. I think one thing that I think one thing that gets lost in podcasting, in my opinion, is you know it's supposed to be fun. It's you know I I, I was <clears throat> I was flipping through Twitter earlier and I saw a couple podcasts on there just really obsessing over their daily listens. And I, I just, I, I disagree with that kind of mindset. I mean, I think you, you know, focus, I think you should focus on what you're putting out and not so much on what comes back in, you know, at least not obsess over it. And I know some people, you know, some people do obsess over things like that. And, uh, but you know, you kind of put yourself through a lot of, I think a lot of stress that you shouldn't because it should be fun and you should, you should podcast because you enjoy it. You should podcast because you get something out of it. You know, even if one, if just one person that think about this, if one person listens to your podcast, think about what you've achieved. You, one person has decided to donate their time to listening to you. Time is the most precious thing that we have. We can't make more of it. We can't save it. We can't, uh, we can't replace it. You know, that is the, that's the one thing that, that, that we're always running out of. Right. And so if if even one person says, you know what, I like you, I like your voice, or I like the, I like the, what you talk about or whatever the case may be. And they listen to you. That's a big deal. So nobody should ever sell themselves short when it comes to that, you know, it's just, um, it's a good thing when, when someone, when, when, when you do have a listener or a couple of listeners or, you know, there's some podcasts that have like 10,000 listeners and that's okay. You know, everybody's different. I mean, that's just kind of the way it is. It's hard to compare yourself. If, if you know, it's hard to compare yourself to other podcasts because you don't know what they have going on, the kind of following they have or their, you know, their subject matter. Um, you know, for example, true crime podcast. I mean, that's a whole different breed right there, you know? And there's a ton of them out there, but you know, you see a true crime podcast pop up and they'll say, Oh, we have, uh, you know, 10,000 downloads on our first episode. Thank you so much. And then you say, Oh, I have 10 downloads. Look, it doesn't matter. You know, that does not matter whatsoever. So, you know, don't be, it's like, it's like going on Facebook and you see people you graduated high school with, they're having all these big milestone moments in their lives. Then you're like, man, my life sucks. I, 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 I'm not doing what he's doing or she's doing. Just enough, but don't beat yourself up over it. Just remember to have fun. Talk about what you want to talk about. Have fun. When I went on my break in October, I'd done a show with uh, right in front of my face. My friend Shannon, she has this podcast called Right in Front of My Face, and it's a really great show. And, and we and the episode I did with her was really really good. I I really enjoyed it. She and she got a lot of good feedback on it, which is always nice. And we talked about some police stuff and some military stuff because uh, if you don't know, I was in the army from '01 to '07. Then I was a police officer for nine years. And so 
some of the stuff that's gone on over the last summer and, and just different things that has gone on related to police work and, you know, military stuff. I've, I've had the pleasure to comment on because I don't mind talking about it if I can, if it's something that I can speak on or something that's, you know, something that's not, uh, uh, too far out of reach. You know, I don't, I don't like to speak for other people or other experiences. I mean, I was a police officer in Virginia and here in Missouri. I can't speak for, the New York Police Department or Seattle or, you know, Albuquerque or something like that. But I try to give an honest account of, I give my honest account of my own personal experiences, what I saw in in training and what I saw <clears throat> while working and things like that. And, you know, you have a lot of stories over the years and people always say, oh man, uh, what, what's... With some crazy story, you know, when you were a cop, and I and I said, well, you you know, you want crazy funny, you want crazy horrifying, you want crazy that makes you sick, crazy that makes you your blood boil with anger, um, you know, that kind of <laughs> there's a bunch of different stuff there, uh, but when when the uh, and and I don't mind sharing some stories certainly, but when the insurrection happened on the Capitol on January sixth, of course, Twitter was was really uh, hopping and popping with all that going on. And I was I was working, and, and one of the guys I worked with on Teams says, hey, have you guys turned on the news or seen the news? <clears throat> so I flipped on the news, and I saw it, and I was like, holy shit. I can't believe this is, I can't believe this is happening. Because I knew there was going to be a, a protest or demonstration or whatever you want to call it. But I didn't know that, I had no idea it would elevate to that. And I was shocked. I was shocked to see to see people actually breaking into Capitol and and all that going on, man. That's just, you know, really. I mean, in my opinion, it's a dark day for the country. One of many that this country's had, and we're probably gonna have many more, to be quite honest with you. But Shannon from right in front of my face, she quote tweeted someone who had tweeted about the the uh, riot control techniques or lack thereof of of any kind of riot control on the, on the part of the Capitol Police and Shannon tagged me to and asked me about it and I said well you know what when I do the next episode I will I'll, I'll talk about that a little bit so and and I wanted to give it some time because <clears throat> typically when something major happens we always get more information over the next week or two you know and so I kind of I like to kind of wait let it breathe a little bit. And so we have more information now that, you know, there was no plan. I think the Capitol Police chief resigned. There's, you know, people, a lot of officers starting to resign because they were really just out there hanging, man. They were between, they were just in this, in a really, really bad situation where they had no support and no sort of plan. You know, you had officers like Eugene Goodman who, you know, took the initiative to lead protesters away from, you know, the uh, elected officials that were inside the Capitol and, and try to keep them basically <clears throat> just roaming around. You know, Eugene Goodman doing what he did. I mean, you know, and he should be commended. And the guy, I know, he, I saw he's an Army veteran. And, uh, I, oh, he was in the 502nd, I believe, which uh, at Fort Campbell, Kentucky, the 101st Airborne. I was in 327th. So his unit was like right across the street. So it was... It was kind of cool to see that. So that was a real dangerous situation for him. I mean, he's only one guy. And, yeah, he's got a gun, but, I mean, that's a mob of people. And and he could have been taken down and injured or killed, as we saw Officer Brian Sicknick was murdered. And I hope that they find the piece of shit motherfucker that killed him 
And I'm not going to apologize for the language because that's what he is. Whoever did that's a piece of shit motherfucker. But that's the, you see though, that's the, that's why I've, I've never liked the Blue Lives Matter and the, and the Thin Blue Line flag. I've never liked that because that's just not what police work is about. Thanks to the, in part of the war on drugs, there was already this us versus them mentality that's been created since the 80s when it comes to police and citizens. And it shows through. It shows through in its training. It shows through in police-citizen interactions, all kinds of things. And if you haven't listened to my episode I did called Police Racism, Statues, and Flags, I would highly suggest you go listen to it. I talk about that stuff a little more in detail, a little more in depth. But, you know, these folks who who attacked the Capitol that day are the people who were supposed to be police supporters. But you see, they'll step on the over the body of a dead police officer uh, to try to do what they think that they should do or, or what they think is right uh, in their own, you know, demented, fucked up mind. So, you know, the, the hypocrisy of it is is really, you know, it's really astounding and it's really evident that uh, say what you want about police officers, but most, a lot of times, like in this situation, the police are the ones who were caught in the middle. The police were caught between the president and this group of people that uh, the president and others in Congress encouraged and endorsed and, you know, kind of gave, gave this, gave direction to, you know, and so, you know, it was a, a sad day for a lot of reasons. And it reminded me of though, as far as the crowd control, riot control kind of stuff, I thought about two things. Once when I was a police officer, well, I'll back up a little bit. In police work, you deal with with crowds quite a bit. Concerts, parades, graduations, football games, large uh, parties, you know, all kinds of things. Uh, you deal with that stuff all the time. And, and But there's always a plan. There's always a plan of who's going to be where, you know, what are we doing at this time? What's our plan for this? What happens if this happens? <clears throat> you know, all this kind of stuff. There's always some sort of plan. And clearly on that day, there was no plan. And we know now that the higher-ups, the administration of the Capitol Police failed miserably and horribly. But I remember in particular, when I was a cop, uh, and, and this kind of goes to the idea of the security, because people were talking about the how little security the Capitol had. President Obama came to my town uh, in Emporia, Virginia, and he was going to come speak at the high school gym. And I was I was actually off that day, but everybody had to work that day. It was all hands on deck. Every swinging dick is going to be there. Everybody's going to be doing something, right? I remember the Secret Service showed up, I think, three weeks, like three weeks before it happened, three weeks before he came. And there was a big meeting, and they had uh, diagrams, and they, they talked about different routes. And everything was so meticulously planned. I mean, it, it was it was nuts. It was, everything's like down to the minute of you know, where he's going to be, when he's going to be there, how long he's going to be there, <clears throat> what happens then, what happens you know at this point. They had different routes <clears throat> planned out, all kinds of stuff. And then they, they came down three weeks before. They came down a couple days before. And then some Secret Service actually stayed in town overnight at a hotel. Uh, so they were already there the next day. I think he was coming in at like 
I think it was like 10 in the morning or something like that. I, I think. It could, it could have been afternoon, but that's irrelevant. But everybody had a, had a, had a job in it. My job, not super exciting, but I, had to, uh, <clears throat> I was stationed on an overpass because he was coming down Interstate 95. And if anybody is on the East Coast or has been to the East Coast, you know Interstate 95 runs north-south from Maine all the way to Miami, Florida. And so 95 runs right by my town. And uh, the motorcade was coming down the interstate going south, would cross below the underpass, and then take the exit. He would go to the high school, do his thing. I think he was there like 30, 45 minutes. And then back in his bus, and then they were going to go back on the interstate and go back north. So my job in this So my job in this was to basically make sure nobody was on the overpass but me. So I was up there. I got the call. I get up there. I block the road, and I stand on the overpass. I stand there with my hands in front of me, you know, as you would, uh, to give, you know, respect to a high-ranking official. And so I saw the motorcade coming down and went under the underpass, under the overpass, and, and went on about his business. So I went and got back and sat in my patrol car until he was done and then was going to come back through. And so that was the extent of my, of, of my involvement in it. But I mean, just the, just him coming to town for a 30 minute talk. And of course it is the president, but still, I mean, usually, you know, I mean, the governor had came to my, my town a couple of times and there was a lot of security for the governor and there was a plan and there was, everything was planned out. It wasn't just like, well, yeah, he'll show up over here at the Hardee's and, uh, you know, everybody would grab a biscuit and, We'll just kind of stand around and, uh, you know, if anybody starts trying to hang him or put him in a guillotine, I guess we'll have to do what we have to do. I mean, that wasn't <laughs> that, that, you know, every, everything, everything is planned. And people who are in police and law enforcement and military know everything has a plan, <clears throat> even if it's not a very good one. Everything has a plan. The only in the, the Obama's visit was uneventful, except for so they had the uh, state police motorcycles. The, the the motor officers were in the motorcade and behind the motorcade was a pickup truck owned by the state police and they had a big had a flatbed trailer and they said just in case one of the motorcycles breaks down or one of them like wrecks or something they just push it off the side of the road because the motorcade doesn't stop. And then that truck that's trailing behind will collect the, the officer, collect the trooper, and collect the motorcycle. And ironically enough, when they were getting back on the interstate, one of the motorcycles up front wipes out. And they just push the motorcycle out of the way. The guy runs out of the way. They push the motorcycle out of the way. The motorcade keeps on trucking. And then that truck stops and they load up the bike in the back of the trailer. Because I, then I saw it coming down the highway. And there was a state police motorcycle laying in the back of the trailer. And I was like, well, I'll be damned. Look at that. You know, it happened. But, you know, that just goes to show, I mean, it's, you know, it, it's, uh, anything like that has a plan. And guarantee if you go to D.C. and try to run into the Capitol under other other circumstances, I mean, how many people have jumped the fence and at the White House or something like that and has got tackled or tased or shot or, you know, t- took an ass whooping at the very least or something like that, right? I mean, so the other story I thought about is uh, from Iraq in 2003. Uh, I went to Iraq in 03 and 05. I was uh, airborne, airborne air assault infantry, 
as I said, I was in the uh, 327th Infantry Regiment, 101st Airborne. And we were in a town called Anna Jeff, and we were involved in what's called the Battle of Anna Jeff from, I think it was March 28th to April 4th, I think is the dates. So we were set up outside of Anna Jeff, about five miles outside. And there was this long road leading up to it, and the, the city is up on a hill, and there's a, a mosque there, and it's got a gold dome. And I remember you could see the sun reflecting all this. It was like a Hershey kiss, like off in the distance. But it was, uh, it was just, it was really beautiful, man. I've never seen anything like that before, you know, obviously. I mean, you go somewhere like that, and, you know, <clears throat> I've always, I always thought Iraq had a lot of beauty, actually, you know, and getting to see some of it in person is just really surreal. And so we were outside the city and there was, uh, the air force had ATM warthogs for air support. There was also, uh, army aviation with, uh, Kiowa warrior helicopters and also, uh, Apaches. And basically there were some areas in the city that were getting cleared out and we were going to walk in. So they were firing, uh, they'd been firing mortars out of the cemetery behind the mosque and, we were actually walking on the street on the road. We were on in two columns on either side of the road. There were ve- our vehicles were in the middle. There were some vehicles in the middle. And there were some tanks with us up in the front from another unit. And uh, I remember when uh, they were firing mortars, <laughs> and the in that cemetery there's a, a relative of, of Muhammad buried there apparently. And so obviously we can't go anywhere near that kind of stuff. You know, it's a it's a religious and historical. Uh, um, historical site basically and so the ATN came in and uh, you know they called in some some fire called in fire on it into the cemetery and and I remember hearing I remember I was I was down on the I was laying down on the road hoping that a mortar didn't come blow me up and you know you hear the you hear the ATN go overhead and you hear hear that gun go off and it, and it did, then there was just silence so that that you know that's not super relevant to this story that I'm talking about, but uh, it's just something that always kind of sticks with me. And I, and you know, it's funny how stuff like that, you remember it so clearly, but that, that mosque actually is significant in this story because the next day or two, I think it was the next day or the day after we had, we had set up shop in this abandoned schoolhouse and our battalion commander, uh, Chris Hughes, was going to go talk to the imam there and an imam is is like a a islam religious leader right and he lives at the mosque so we start walking towards the mosque and there's man there's tons of people everywhere and there's buildings the buildings are are pretty high like not skyscrapers but they're pretty high and and anna jeff is one of the one of the top couple uh most populous cities in iraq i mean you got a couple million people there i believe and there was people all just packed the streets. It was like one of those, uh, it was like, I don't know, like you see the, like Macy's parade or Times Square on New Year's or uh, like a ticker tape parade, you know, when a, a team wins a Super Bowl or something. There was just people just packed on the streets, you know. And and we were all obviously pretty, you know, the pucker factor was pretty high. Uh, and if you don't know what a pucker factor is, it's the rate in which your butthole puckers up because you're scared or you're nervous or something like that. Uh, but we were, you know, it was, um, 
you you were on high alert <clears throat> you know it was it was and it was really i remember it was really 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 noisy i mean you it because there was just millions there was just people and it was so loud and we had that tank column that there was a group of tanks abrams tanks from uh, a tank unit that was that was with us and they were up there was one of them going you know up in the front and we were on we were in again in two columns on either side of the street and and we're <clears throat> we're walking down the street and people it was just so loud and there was people everywhere and there was people hanging out of windows and people running across rooftops and you know you're you're just looking i mean your head is just turning i mean literally just just almost spinning because you you're trying to keep an eye on everything because you don't know if you're going to be attacked or or, or what's going to happen you know and, and we were just going to the mosque so uh colonel hughes could talk to the imam and as we got closer to the mosque, the crowd started to get agitated. You know, you could tell there was like an energy change, like the air started to change a little bit. And they started to get, they really started to get pretty pissed off. And they started to, it, then like a rock started flying, right? One rock here, two rocks there, three rocks there, a bottle. And then, and then, I remember the street, we turned to left, and there was a long street that led straight to the front door of the mosque. And I remember, as we turned down the street, I remember looking down the street and seeing the front of the mosque and the door and the giant gold dome and just the ornate architecture of it and everything, man. It was so, so cool. But then I kind of, it was like, I kind of snapped out of it and looked around because and this crowd is about to just engulf us. This crowd is coming unglued and nobody really knows what to do. Uh, there was a kid in my platoon who, uh, this woman who, who was, you know, wearing all black and had her face covered, tried to run across the street and he grabs her and like shoves the barrel of his M4 in her face and screaming at her. And so his team leader is grabbing him and he's like, you know, fucking stand down, stand down. I mean, it was just total just just real chaos there and it was really getting to the point where <clears throat> you know something bad's about to happen and then up ahead of me i see colonel hughes just walking down the middle of the street and he's got his hands and he's doing his hand like waving his hands down and and he's kind of coming up to almost to each guy and he's kind of keeping his hands down and he's got this smile on his face and i and i remember looking at him and i'm like what i wonder what the hell is this what the fuck are we doing and down the line, each guy starts taking a knee, like going down on one knee. And I'm like, what, what are we doing? You know? And he gets, and he gets closer to me and I hear him say, smile, take a knee, smile, take a knee. <clears throat> so I took a knee and took my hand and, and guys were taking their hands off their, off their weapon. So I took a knee, took my hand off my weapon kind of held my hand up and just smiled and I felt like a total doofus because here you know here we are we have you know we're armored up from head to toe full battle rattle I had uh I was an M240 Bravo machine gunner which is a uh, 30 27.6 pound machine gun takes belt fed 762 uh, ammunition and we all look like we're you know starship troopers or something like that you know and here we are kneeling and smiling, and it was so it was so odd. You know, I, I felt kind of silly at first, uh, but 
as we did that, I was looking at the crowd, and the crowd started to cool off a little bit. It started to to calm, you know, and then Colonel Hughes comes walking back up, and he says, keep smiling, turn around, we're walking out of here. Keep smiling, turn around, we're walking out of here. We're going back home, we're going back home. Smile, keep smiling, keep smiling. So I we stood up, we turned around, kept smiling, and we walked all the way back to where we were staying at the at the school building. And there were apparently I didn't we didn't know then or we didn't realize it. I mean we there were imp, uh, embedded press there. I know there was a U.S. News and World Report I think and uh, Time Magazine and a couple others Newsweek and. They were there, and they and they witnessed this too, and a lot of the magazines did a story, and wrote about that, and called us the smiling second because we were second battalion, and so it kind of became over the years it became this story about how this real disaster was averted because of uh, Colonel, all thanks to Colonel Hughes for having the idea for us to kneel and smile to disarm and de-escalate. The crowd and de-escalate, right? That's been a word that was thrown around all summer when we saw, uh, you know, police departments, uh, you know, pepper spraying and, and rubber bulleting people who were who were peacefully protesting all over the country. But <clears throat> that tweet that Shannon from right in front of my face quoted quote tweeted me, and I said, yeah, I'll, I'll you know, I'll, I'll talk about de-escalation and. To me, there's no better way than sharing that story. And Colonel Hughes went on to uh, work at the Pentagon, I think, some years after that. And he wrote a book about our time in Iraq in 03 because we had a lot of lot of really, really crazy stuff happen. And he talks about that in particular. And back during the summer, there was – there was I, I'm in one of those lists. You know, people put you on these lists on Twitter, and there was one called Veterans or something like that. And uh, somebody brought that up. And – copy and pasted an excerpt from the book and I said oh hey I was there for that you know which is always I think it's kind of cool you know to say I was I witnessed that and so I had a really good exchange with like four or five different people about it and you know it, it just goes to show that we could have done a lot of things that day with that crowd all of them probably would have been justified in the end but all of them probably would have been bad it's kind of like the, uh, you know, so situations that you find yourself in that training can't really simulate. There's no, there's no book that'll tell you how to handle that situation. There's no, no training scenario that really <clears throat> gives you that real world feeling because even when you're in training in the back of your mind, you know, hey, I'm, I'm pretty safe. Like this, you know, it's not a big deal. You know, I, I, and as the saying goes in the army and through the military, you train as you fight. But in the back of your mind, you know, if you're at Fort Campbell training, you're still in Fort Campbell. You're not in Iraq, right? But you're in an unknown place in millions of unknown people. And, you know, that could have went really, really bad really quick. Uh, you know, especially with them throwing rocks and getting more and more and more agitated. All it would have taken was one person to pop off a shot or, you know, a loud bang or something like that. And it would have just been a powder keg, you know, and, and it would have been U.S. troops, you know, opening up on an unarmed crowd and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And as it turns out, the reason why the crowd got that way 
is because they thought we were going to go attack the mosque. Of course, it was all set up between Colonel Hughes and, and the imam, but the people didn't know that. They just knew that here's this this group of uh, foreign soldiers who are armed to the teeth, and they're going towards our most precious religious site that we have here in the city, and one of the in, in, you know one of probably one of the whole world, and certainly in Iraq. And so they they wanted to protect their imam and protect the the mosque, you know. So it really was. Uh, I mean, just a real surreal thing, and I, and I and I thought about that when people talk about de-escalation and stuff like that, and I uh, I think about man, that was a, you know what a crazy thing to be a part of, um, but so you know when it comes to de-escalation, and I'll throw this in here real quick when it comes to police work, the worst thing I think happens is police, you know, police officers kind of take the stance of you have to listen to me no matter what. You know, and that's not always the case. And just because you can't force your authority on people doesn't mean you should. And it doesn't mean that you have to do it all the time. You know, it's like having a kid. I have a three-year-old. Every time I ask her to do something, she doesn't do it. Am I going to yell and scream and, uh, you know, carry on? No, you know, you can you, you reason with her, you know, or, or when she gets upset, she's throwing a tantrum. I don't get upset and throw a tantrum back at her. I talk to her calmly and say, hey, I can't understand you when you're talking, when you're crying like that. I don't know what you want. You know, usually it's, oh, uh, you know, I dropped my teddy or, uh, you know, I want some more chocolate milk or something like that. I don't know. But, you know, it's just kind of a thing where uh, I was thinking about that story and, you know, police work itself is mostly common sense driven profession, to be quite honest with you. And to me, I think that gets lost quite a bit. So I didn't want to be going on about police work. You know, I'm sure I'll talk about more police stuff down the road. And of course, if anybody ever has any questions or wants to talk about that kind of stuff, I'm always happy to. But it's a good de-escalation story, I think. So look it up. Colonel Hughes, Colonel Chris Hughes. uh, I, I don't remember the name of the book, to be quite honest with you. But you can look it up and give it a read if you want. Uh, it's really good, and there's uh, there's a lot to be learned, you know, from those situations, and it's it's uh, it's something that people forget. I think that something like that happened in Iraq. I, you know, everything that's happened in Iraq over the past twenty years in Afghanistan has been so widely publicized, uh, but except for stuff like that, and that's just something that that's just something that kind of happened that. Uh, quick thinking and be able to, to uh, stay calm, which is the mark of a true professional, uh, in my opinion. So, <clears throat> as I said, coming up uh, this week, I'll be talking to my buddy Dave from Beer in Front, and I'm just happy to be back podcasting. You know, I uh, hope you hope you enjoy this episode. Uh, be sure to drop a comment or uh, message me or anything if you have any questions or or, or anything really. I I love to interact with you. I love, I love to hear from you. And if you're another podcaster and if you're interested in working together, give me a holler and, uh, I'll be happy to do it. So until next time, thank you for hanging out and cheers. Mm-hmm.